0: Today on Beerus TV, it's the top 20
1: LG mistakes. There's 20 of them, because there's a lot of mistakes out there. Uh, there's four people out there, and one of these speaks to you. I definitely was one of these.
0: Yeah, so the first one is, uh, you know what? You got this tank thing mastered. Never seen LG because you just beat it. You know all the ins and outs of everything. Yeah, not me. Second person, I'm just lucky. Third person, actually, LG just overrunning my tank, and I'm about to tap out. We can solve that. <laughs> uh, and the third person, I'm seeing signs of it. And I'd like to catch it before it overruns a tank. You're probably one of those people raising your hand. and mm-hmm. uh, All of you can benefit from today.
1: So really just choose your own adventure. Most of us are probably lumped into one of those four categories. And today you'll learn from our pitfalls, what we've learned over the years, so that you have a easier path than we did. And the first one starts with the, one of the most common mistakes is not cleaning your frags.
0: Yeah, so the frags come in and they have algae all over their base. It could be just like a light like, dust in green algae, it could be bryopsis, yeah. it could be bubble algae, it could be
1: all kinds of things, clean your frags. Yeah, I just got a handful of zoas today and it had algae all over it and the first thing I did was, before I put it in my tank, scrub with a brush and a little hydrogen process.
0: Hydrogen peroxide is my favorite tool. You can just go get it from the, or from the drugstore if you want. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a coral dip for it someday, too. But uh, hydrogen peroxide, you can paint it on with a paintbrush. You can just spray it on. A lot of corals are pretty tolerant of it. Uh,
1: it will kill the algae right yeah, and if you have some of those harder algaes that uh, or maybe even a coral that might have some uh, you know might have some algae on it but you're not sure whether or not how it reacts to like hydrogen peroxide uh, the best is to like you said just apply it on the brush and brush around it or you know, scrape off or manually remove as much as possible. In
0: fact, if you're interested in this, just go to YouTube and search for uh, uh, Dipping My Corals in Hydro Peroxide. You can see some really miraculous results. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can see like they dip it and then uh, tomorrow, all of a sudden, all the things just super, super clean. In fact, if you want, also just cleaning the frags off and just in, scrubbing it is one thing. Really gotta like actually kill it because uh, like, all the little microscopic bits will yeah. roll back. Uh, but you can actually break it off of the uh, frag plug as well and just be
1: free of it entirely. Yeah, take the frag plug out of the equation. Algae is just not even there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would absolutely consider hydrogen peroxide or any other tool, but clean the frags before they go in the tank so you don't get the algae that comes with them. All right, so number
1: two here is... Uh, This is lazy reefer syndrome and letting the algae become a plague. Uh, and reaching catastrophic issues before actually doing something about it. This is pretty
0: common uh, that <laughs> you see a little bit of algae in there, you don't do anything about it. And for some reason, like the alarm flags don't go up until the whole tank is just like waving <laughs> a sea of algae, right? True. Catch it way, way, way mm. before that. So uh, you will probably not know what to look for if this is your first rodeo. Yeah, true. But if you just start to see patches of it grow, do something about it then, Mm. uh, instead of waiting for it to like get out of control because
1: it can take, you know, if you let it go on forever, it'll take a long time to get back out. And that brings us to number three and that is trying to take a sledgehammer to solve the problem and cure, trying to cure algae in days, what it took you months to get to. So if you've reached those plague-like proportions, you know, you've gotten to that point where algae is just everywhere. it probably took you some time. It's this stuff you didn't wake up and then algae was plagued in your tank or you didn't, you know, maybe two weeks and you saw a little bit, but it wasn't plague-like. Uh, but then the, the mistake is going in there and attacking it and hoping that, and trying to get it done in days because it took you months to get there. Yeah, you're human.
0: Uh, so we all like to see the magic cure come in. Instant uh, Yeah, do magic dust algae has gone. Yeah. Uh, there are some tools for that. You'll talk about it a little bit today, but really if it took you months to get in here, let it take months to get out, you know, just have some patience. And if you have that patience, first off, expectations are, are more likely to be met and yeah. you won't be frustrated. Like you just see incremental results. And in four months, this algae thing's no longer a problem. Yeah. Right. If you expect it to be solved in four days, uh, you are probably going to be disappointed. So number four is turning your lights on day one, the moment that you filled it with water and dropped the rock
1: in. Well, I mean, the algae feeds not only on like our excess uh, nitrates and phosphates, but even the initial cycle, ammonia and things like that too, it will feed on. And then most people probably aquascape with like a white bone white dry rock, uh, which is just, you're you're just kind of like building the the perfect storm for algae to grow because you just cranked your lights on day one. If you bought
0: some super expensive uh, live rock that like came out of the ocean and is filled with life, you may need to turn the lights on right away to keep some of that stuff alive. Yeah, sure. If you're using dry rock and you turn the lights on Most day one, yeah. you're probably gonna grow some algae in many cases. So way better to just let the run, the tank run with the lights either off or just barely on uh, and allow it to build like a biofilm and like a a bacterial film on the surface of the rock that kind of prevents all the algae from taking hold. Meanwhile, in that first few months, just enjoy that you got a nice fish tank, fill it up with fish, watch the fish and enjoy this part of the progression of the tank. So it's not that you can't turn the lights on day one, But if you do and you run into algae,
1: know why. All right, so this is super closely related to number five. What is it? Hey, if I turn my lights on in the beginning and I don't have corals yet, I can just turn them off. So I've got fish in the tank, my hopefully utilitarian fish that are kind of eating away at the algae or helping keep it at bay. But if I just run into an algae problem and I don't have photosynthetic organisms that are in the tank that require the light, just shut the light off.
0: Yeah, so it's not a race. Enjoy your fish tank, enjoy the fish that are in there, mm. add the corals after the light's been on for a little bit. Yeah. So let the lights be on for a month or so before mm. you add any corals. And you can see if there's algae growth in your tank. And if there is, just turn the lights off, enjoy your fish tank, enjoy yeah. the fish in it, all the algae will go away because there's no light. Uh, and so you can just, again, allow that biofilm to build up and protect the tank from it. Meanwhile, like the algae will die, water changes and stuff will take the nutrients out. So don't be afraid to turn the lights off, especially if you haven't put any corals in. And in fact, maybe you don't want to add any corals in in the beginning, just so you have that step available to you. Yeah. All right, so number six here is my own,
1: like uh, actual pet peeve, because I see this done all the time. I'm what guilty. is it? This is adding hundreds of snails and crabs as your cleanup crew. Like day one, I've made this mistake. I made this mistake in thinking, because you read all of these forums and you know, years ago, forums was the only information we have. And everywhere I said, it was like, add some hermits, add some red legs, blue legs, add some trochus snails, add the Mexican turbo snails. All of these cleanup crew is gonna help. Maybe a sea cucumber, maybe an urchin. Well, when I'm setting up my, my tank for the first time, uh, there's nothing for these things to eat on. And so I, I, th- I thought I needed all of them. So I threw them all in there. I'm like, oh, look, I got live things in my tank. And then they turned into not live things.
0: Yeah, and when they <laughs> die, they just add uh, nutrients. And a little snail, It's a very meaty thing. So it's Mm. adding all the nitrogen and phosphorus from itself. And if it can't eat anything, it's actually consuming its own flesh, right? And releasing those nutrients into the water. So essentially when you go in there and if you do it before you have any algae Mm. in the tank, you throw in a hundred crabs and a hundred snails, you're just putting little nutrient batteries into the tank and just overloading the tank with nutrients for no purpose. They're all gonna die. And on the second part of that, I already have algae problems sometimes i've seen people beat yeah. a algae with an overwhelming amount of those things but usually
1: when the algae's gone yeah when their algae's gone they go back to starving again and then rinse repeat rinse repeat
0: yeah and so the right tool for the right job and again so if you thought 100 was going to get me solve this problem for me in a week <laughs> maybe 25 will solve it in the two months that I'm looking for. Yeah. Set the expectations for that. Don't just overwhelm it. And I'll say that this is, again, for me, I've, I've seen the advice when people ask these types of questions mm-hmm. out on the internet, but actually it's a lot also on the, like uh, cleanup crew packages you yeah. see on the internet. or like super 50, duper packages, 60, 60 of these, mm-hmm. uh, 80 of those yeah. and whatever. And you know, keep in mind, those people are trying to sell snails for a living, not actually necessarily solve your algae problem. So uh, just keep that in mind and like, use the right tool for the right job, pick the right amount. You don't want to overload the tank because you can actually have the opposite problem. All right, so that leads us into number seven, something a lot of people don't think of as a cleanup crew but absolutely
1: is. Yeah, the cleanup crew of the utilitarian fish. So other than snails, other than crabs, like when you see in the forums or you see on the groups like cleanup crew, my mind automatically goes to crabs, snails, trochus, all these other things. But actually it's the, it's the utilitarian fish, the fish with a purpose that go attack the algae and that's you nearly know, their, uh, their primary diet. Uh, they can serve as an even better cleanup crew
0: they can actually see the algae seek it out and eat it off. Like a <laughs> snail just kinda has to stumble upon it, right? So I just haven't seen any instance where, uh, I shouldn't say any instance, but many instances where utilitarian fish don't out beat out snails and crabs. Mm. Now they actually work better together, but I haven't seen people beat uh, an existing algae problem with snails and crabs all that many times, but fish have seen it countless times. You oh, could yeah.
1: drop in a couple of the right fish and boom, all the algae is just gone. Well, rather than just, and not not even just solving an existing problem, solving a problem before it even starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like in the WWC uh, hybrid, uh, BRS hybrid series, when we have a whole episode just on utilitarian fish. And this is something that you can plan out before you even flip the lights on in your tank. uh, And before you even come into an algae problem is, you know, Choose fish with a purpose. Uh, maybe a couple, you know, nice-looking fish, but you know, fish that actually have a job in the tank, so that when I kick my lights on, uh, they're already trained to and attacking the algae before you even see it.
0: Yeah, you'll never even know there was an algae problem because they're handling it before there's just even hints of it, mm. right? And so the other piece of this is, so what if I have a really small tank and I can't really get tangs in there? That isn't actually true. And so uh, we did the five minute guide that had a 40 breeder and a e E-170 yeah. and we threw some tangs in there and got really small specimens. And the reality is, is those things can live in there for multiple years. And when they outgrow the tank, you can just swap them out for another one. I know you're your pets, so you don't really want to swap out your pets. So the reality is, is if you make your first tank into the two or three year range, the chances of you upgrading that tank are super, super high. And yeah. you know, it's a perfect reason to, they, you know, your pets are kind of outgrown the space that you've given them. And so you go get more space uh, or you want more pets. You know, uh, sometimes you T- change your yard if you got two or three dogs, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so the last piece of that really is that you can trade them out. And also, you know, if you want to, you can just trade them out and understand they are your pets. We you have other pets in the tank that are relying on you to keep the tank clean and sharp looking so that it stays up.
1: All right, so number eight is super closely related to this again, what is it? <laughs> yeah, this is just replacing the cleanup crew uh, when they die, I mean, let's face it, uh, you oh, you come across the snail that's upside down, you come across a crab that's been picked on or got taken over by another crab. I mean, these things die, there's empty shells in the tank. Uh, so. If you had a cleanup crew that is isn't overabundance in the tank so that they actually have a constant food source uh, and they're staying alive, well, when a few die back, put a couple more in. Mm -hmm.
0: This is a lesson I learned in the very first, uh, or I made the second year of reefing, uh, is I had my tank up and all of a sudden we started bulk resupply. I had another job. I'm working from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m. every day and uh, the tank is getting neglected because my work day is full, Like I don't got much time. Uh, Tank looks awesome though, right? And then one day the yellow tank dies, right? And I didn't connect it at first, but the tank dies and then all of a sudden algae out of everywhere, right? And then it just dawned on me that day or like actually weeks later is, wait a minute, that one fish, all he did all day was Mm. eat algae, right? And that's probably why I didn't have any algae. Mm. I dropped a new yellow tang in, and in a month, no more algae, right? So, you know, I don't want to treat the fish like they're replaceable, because that's not the case, but if you do happen to lose some of your uh, your cleanup crew and you're having a problem, you should replace them. You should identify why the, the fish died in the first place, but identify that and then go replace them so you can have a nice clean
1: tank. All right, so mistake number nine, is not trying urchins. I mean, these are really cool critters. So pin cushions, pencil urchins, you know, there's a wide variety of them. They look really awesome. Some of them carry your frags around the tank, which, you know, you can deal with, but A lot of them are really good lawnmowers for algae. I've seen seen them handle quite a bit of algae in a tank before.
0: It's been my experience that urchins are way better than crabs and snails. Mm. Uh, They do tend to carry stuff around and bulldoze stuff over, but some of the bigger snails do the same kind of thing. But if you got algae problems and you aren't solving it a different way, try a different tool uh, and use the right tool again for the right job. Urchins are one. I know Chad actually breeds some urchins here and he gave us little teeny baby ones uh, for the ULM series. They grew huge because they were just mowing down algae all over the place. And I'd call that like uh, actually a big component of a ULM is having that cleanup crew do all the work for you uh, and uh, eat all the algae so you don't have to like uh, clean it up. But absolutely try some urchins. All right, so the number 10 fail is actually not knowing what all of the options are and there's one kind of unique one that I think people are like getting like more information
1: on mm. today than ever before, and it's yeah, that's uh, number ten is not trying bacteria. So there are bacterial additives out there. You know, in most recent uh, history here, it was trying vibrant, and we do have a full vibrant uh, test that shows. I mean, this is bacteria that's designed to or uh, that you know does heterotrophic bacteria, so it eats eats some algae materials, and you can watch it in the tank. It actually works.
0: Okay, so I have never ever be seen anybody like beat bubble algae with any product. Once in a while, get lucky and someone eats it, but it's kind of like a perpetual thing. Right, right. right. Uh, I have seen now numerous cases where, in our own tanks, including this one right here, where vibrant just wiped it out. It all just turns like silver. Let's go, and like all of mm-hmm. a sudden, bubble algae is gone right mm. and it's that bacteria is actually going after it aggressively and consuming it, lives on surfaces it cleans areas off that would have grown uh, algae in fact a lot of people we did it uh, in the uh, uh, five-minute guide yep. tanks dosed it right from the beginning never had algae we
1: ever didn't. even to start with no and there was yeah. algae on the rock before we even put it in the tank like mm-hmm. visible algae and that you would expect to like turn know, the lights on to, day one like yeah. we did Mm-hmm. and uh, no no issues.
0: Yeah, so consider uh, like Vibrance as o- an option. There's also the Microbacter Clean from uh, yeah. Brightwell and some other options out there for bacteria. Yeah. So consider bacteria as an option for fighting or even preventing any algae issue. Number 11 for me is very specific to one of the biggest pains in the butt, LG's, <laughs> which is a uh, bryopsis. Yeah. And uh, like, this is kind of the sledgehammer tool that almost always works. What is it?
1: Yeah, number 11 is not trying fluconazole. This is actually a really viable cure for or uh, treatment for biopsis. So we've done it multiple times in the BRS 160. We've seen it down around the office and dose it, bryopsis gone. So I've seen people try to solve
0: this uh, like with you know, raising the magnesium up to like 2,500 or some crazy number. I've seen like all kinds of solutions to this that like have various degrees of Mm -hmm. results and probably stress the hell out of the tank. Uh, And outside of all that stuff, I gotta tell you, I think that the fluconazole actually is the easiest solution. I won't say that it has like zero effect on the tank. I've never seen any tank like get wiped out by it or anything. I've seen some corals look like they're a little bit stressed by it, but they definitely are getting stressed by overwhelming a tank in bryopsis, which is like a fern type algae if you look really close yep, at it. Yep. And not something anybody wants to run into. So if you're running that, like this is one of the best options out there. And
1: yeah, this was in the 160 when we ran into this, it was, there was tissue loss at some of the bases of the corals. And when you get those tissue loss, especially in those Acropora corals, of course, but mm-hmm. when you get that tissue loss, it gives a place for, uh, you know, algae to take hold and then just irritates the coral even further. So deep within the, insides of some of these Acropora colonies, uh, we're getting a Bryopsis in there and nothing is growing, nothing is growing. It can't grow over the top of algae. And it's something that the utilitarian fish, most of the time, I've never seen a utilitarian fish go after Bryopsis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two week cure or two week treatment of this and we were back to good and now we're actually growing back over the dead skeleton.
0: Yeah, so sometimes a double treatment, two week get rid of it, another treatment to like just knock it out for sure, right? So I'd probably do that at later stages, but the one treat, I I would absolutely consider this as an option. And again, like if you're losing corals and stuff, you can just stop that in its tracks all all the way. So definitely consider fluconazole specifically for bryopsis. All right, so number 12 again is one of my pet peeves
1: here. So which is it? Yeah, this is assuming that dirty water is good. Uh, dirty probably to some people means different things. Uh, when I think about it, uh, dirty water to me means like, uh, you know, like I, I picture a softy tank or an LPS tank and I picture like high nitrates, high phosphates, something I'm not really taking, uh, taking too concern with of removing. Uh, and th- for a lot of people, the, they think that that's okay. Yeah. So for me, dirty water is
0: synonymous with uncared for. Knowing. End of story. So it doesn't mean you can't maintain like a reasonable levels of nitrate and phosphate, but do it intelligently. Mm. Cause if you just let them rise and you're like, well, everything looks fine. Yeah, just wait, man. One day, tipping all of a point. sudden it will be a tipping point and it happens fast because mm-hmm. there's so much nutrient in the water for it to explode. So usually it happens when uh, some other thing stresses out the tank, stresses out the corals, and all of a sudden like, it just gives way to this thing to explode. Mm-hmm. So if you think that nitrate and phosphate in your tank having super high levels in there uh, is super good for the tank, I won't argue about whether it's good or not for the corals, but it is absolutely good for algae and uh, growing that. So, you know, consider whether or not you want to maintain those levels intelligently, uh, but I certainly wouldn't think that dirty water is good for the tank. So number 13 is
1: again related to nutrients. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is feeding your t- fish too much. It's, uh, you walk up to the tank and you get the reaction from the fish because they know usually you, there's food coming, so they follow you, they look hungry, a lot of people say, uh, and uh, sometimes they'll accept food too, uh, but the, do they necessarily need the food is the question.
0: Yeah, so here's the story. Are you feeding too much? There's one way you'll know. Is uh, nitrate and phosphate levels just continually rise? Mm. So if their nitrate, uh, phosphate levels just continually rise in your tank, one of two problems is happening. A, you're just feeding too damn much, okay. or your filtration just isn't good enough for the amount that you want to feed. You can fix either one of those things, but like I would absolutely, you know, at least track one of those things. With phosphates, probably yeah. the easiest one to track because a little checker is so easy to do. But track one of them and understand that like if all those things are rising, the nutrients in my tank are rising, it's because I'm putting too much food into the tank. It's not too many fish, it's too much nutrient going into the tank to feed the fish. So fix your filtration or stop feeding so much. So number 14 is super common as well. And it's not understanding like, well, I don't have a nutrient problem. I have zero nitrate and zero phosphate, but I got tons of
1: algae. What's the problem? Yeah, uh, I mean, this is not recognizing that the uh, nutrients are actually bound into the algae, because so, it's uptaking it. So there's really nothing left in the water column when you're testing for phosphates and nitrates, because the algae has a hold of all of it, and it's continually sucking it up as more is added to the tank essentially you have
0: an in-tank refugium, right? (laughs) Uh, All of the hair algae and stuff is sucking up all of the nutrients out of your tank. So it looks like you have zero, Mm. but you actually are adding all of that nutrient every day. It's just getting sucked up by the algae so fast Mm. you can't test for it.
1: So number 15 here is a mistake that I've actually made in the past and it is? Yeah, this is not removing the algae manually. So if I have an overgrowth or if I have Anything that I can really just grab with a pair of uh, tweezers or grab with my thumb and forefingers and just kind of rip out manually. Uh, better yet, if I'm manually removing it, so I'm in this cleanup mode, I'm in, like, doing my weekly maintenance, scrubbing off the rocks, I'm just blowing off algae off of the rocks and it's floating all over the tank. It's a mistake to not get that out of there because as we just talked about in 14, all of the nutrients that are bound up in that algae, if we just let it go, we're just starting the cycle over again.
0: You know, I've done that actually. And so like I've scrubbed off all of the bryopsis Mm. or whatever and scrubbed off every surface. And really that just tends to spread it by the way. Yeah. Uh, But like it all just went in the tank. I didn't remove it. It's just gonna die. And it's just gonna add more nitrate and phosphate to the tank, you know, like feeding the new problem. I didn't actually remove it. So one of the things I would suggest is not scrubbing it off in a manner where it just spreads all over the place. But if you can get like a siphon and uh, grab it with your thumb over the siphon, pull it off, let your thumb go, and then it just sucks right up into the siphon, right? Mm. Limiting from the tank. So you're not just taking the organism, the pest organism out of the tank, you're also taking the nutrients that it used to feed on out of the tank with it so it doesn't feed the next problem. So this is a really, really big one. Manual removal. Don't expect the magic here, here, or like if I was even, I was gonna use fluconazole, the first thing I would do is manually remove as much of it as I humanly possibly right. could, and then solve the problem with some of the other tools. Don't just like uh, expect the tools gonna solve all the, uh, solve all the work for you. Do the manual removal first and keep up with it. Yeah. Again, we talk about like, you know, you got three months in yeah. to cause this problem. It might take three months to get out. So once a week, pull all this stuff out manually. So number 16, we actually kind of already touched on it, but there's some different ways you can use this tool as well. And it is-
1: yeah, uh, the fail here, the mistake here is missing the usefulness of hydrogen peroxide. A uh, Couple ways that I, I've seen it done around here is, like we talked about right off the bat, uh, you know, scrubbing some, spraying some, doing a dipping in hydrogen peroxide your coral frag plugs, uh, and that way you just kind of see the the algae turn white and then eventually just dissolve away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also seen it in the clown heron tank with Chad, where Chad would drain the tank super low as it was doing a water change, and while the tank were, or while the algae was exposed on the rock surfaces, take a bottle with a spray top and just spray hydrogen peroxide directly onto the algae. He lets it sit for a little while, fills the tank back up. And over the course of doing that for a few weeks, all of those algae tufts start to turn white, dissipate and disappear.
0: So this was pre-fluconazole days, but like uh, we had perhaps super bad in that tank uh, cause there's so much food going in to feed the 30 uh, clown fish yeah. in there. Uh, but the solution that we came up with was drain the tank like within an inch uh, of the bottom of the water spray the actual spots with uh, the hydrogen peroxide. It would kill it, you Mm -hmm. know. And then we would add some urchins to the bottom inch where there's still the algae in there. Manual removal as much as you can. And between those three things, the urchins would actually eat it all off and uh, we just killed it with this thing. So think about hydrogen peroxide as a tool and how you could use it to your specific need. All right, so number
1: 17, we're getting deep in the catalog here, what is it? (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, failing to keep up with your maintenance and not failing to actually do your maintenance. We're talking water changes specifically. Uh, I mean, I can blow off the rocks and do my water changes, Uh, but you know, we all get a little lackadaisical, especially, you know, come summertime and I wanna be outside Uh, or, you know, my tank just looks good and I don't have to do water. I feel like I don't have to do water changes. combination of that piling up on each other is leading to the inevitable, you know, algae outbreak. So here's the thing. There's a lot of people out there that say, I never do
0: my water changes. I don't do them all summer long and my tank's just fine. Yeah, there's tons of people that are willing to go out there and say that. And a lot of the people that won't say that you won't hear from because they just don't exist, right? Like that went well for a long time. And then somewhere in the next two years, it totally went south for them, overrun with algae, Mm. and they just quit the hobby. So you don't actually hear from those people because they're gone, right? So yeah, keep up with your water changes. There's one thing I've learned that it's absolutely, if you do them, you're in a way higher percentage pool than if you don't. And I think even the people that don't do water changes will agree that that's probably the case auto water changes
1: being Key. my like hybrid of all Oh those. yeah, for sure. I, I do not want to lug a, bu- a bucket of water anymore. I don't want to carry the bucket over the top of the tank. I don't want to run pumps. It's just a, it's just a, an amount of time that now that I know that auto water changes exist, and I can do this just constantly throughout the day. And all I have to do is mix up a vat of uh, salt water and I'm good to go. Maybe change that every once or once a month or so then water changes are easy for me to do and I'm more apt to do them if something else is doing it for me.
0: There's a few options, like you can do a do-it-yourself auto water change. Uh, the Neptune Dose is a good one that we use here. Versa, uh, pumps. Versa Pumps. The Versa Pumps now from uh, EcoTech. And then uh, Thomas Burton did one on the uh, Ottawa change from AutoAqua.
1: Yeah, AutoAqua AWC, which is an ATO built in too. Sp- really good for small tanks too. Okay, so you can go
0: check out his uh, spotlight on that one. But yeah, there's a lot of options for auto water changes, kind of hybrid if you like don't really want to do them, but you know the benefits of doing it. All right, so number 18, this one has been kind of evolutionary over the last four or five years and just our understanding of it.
1: What is it? This is not considering a refugium algae scrubber or even an algae reactor. Yes, I want to grow algae. I just don't want to grow it in the front and where my tank is. I want to grow it down in my sump or targeted somewhere in my system not in the display, and in which case the refugium, the mm-hmm. algae scrubber, absolutely the tools that can do that. Yeah, so is not my friend. Yeah. Right? Uh, I want to grow
0: algae to prevent it from going in the display, True. suck up all those nutrients so like algae scrubbers essentially growing hair algae in a mm-hmm. little box and you scrape it off, throw it in the trash uh, refugiums typically uh, like a cato and mm-hmm. you can grow it uh, you know and in a lot of different areas of your sump and then if you want like a really compact version yeah. like I don't have area for a big old refugium, now they sell the algae reactors and you know they're a tube with the light on it, Tunes has got one Skim's got one, mm-hmm. uh, there's a variety of them out there so any one all those options, like consider, actually I want to grow algae now, I just want to grow it in a controlled manner where I can harvest it yep. instead of growing it in the tank. Okay, so number 19 is actually kind of funny
1: and uh, (laughs) what is it? Hey, if your skimmer sucks, get a better one. Um, We're talking about uh, skimmers that are either underpowered or underrated or maybe even don't have, you know, the controls that you want to, you know, match the nutrient input and the export. So uh, you have that air water mixture inside and this is a tool that I can dial in as my tank changes or as my need changes.
0: Yeah, so whatever skimmer you're using, uh, if it isn't, doing what you want it to do, you know, whatever brand it is, it doesn't matter. If it's not performing the way you want, you know, you can suck out a lot of that fish poo and uh, un- or like rotten food and everything and all the nutrients related to it using the filter as it's intended. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, different, we did a whole bunch of skimmer videos out there so we won't talk about it all today. You can go watch those. You can also watch the best of the year and all those different things. But, you know, get the right tool for the right job and if you're not happy with your skimmer performance, you don't have to live in that world. <laughs> there's more information than ever out there on how to get the right tool for the right job all right so number 20 here is actually my personal favorite uh, you should absolutely do this and it's a fail
1: if you don't if you're running into algae problems you don't do this big big fail yeah we made a five minute guide for algae uh, control and, and a bunch of other things too but algae specific and we've used the steps in there to defeat some algae problems around the office here so it is a mistake that if you're in algae and you're running into an algae problems for you to not take five minutes and go watch this video.
0: Yeah, so what we did in this video is take the uh, least aggressive approaches and then put them in series so you can, no really distinct guidance on how to beat something. Mm. And, you know, in series to the more aggressive approaches at the end, but like, instead of seeing a sea of go do all of these things, no, do this one, then this one, then this one, and stop when you beat the, the algae in your tank, right? But real distinct advice, you're gonna probably, if you got an algae in your system or you just like to prevent it, you're probably gonna spend hours and hours and hours of research and hours and hours and hours of effort Spend the five minutes to get like (laughs) something really distinct, a real path that works in vast, vast majority of cases. Okay, so if you only heard one thing today, let it be this. A dirty tank is synonymous with an
1: uncared for tank and not a good path for your reef tank. Even better than that, the utilitarian fish should be considered some of the best cleanup crew out there. And if you wanna see that BRS WWC hybrid episode that we talk about how to choose utilitarian fish and what they can do for you, potentially solving all your algae problems for good, check that video out right here.